So just the whisper threat that your mortgage payment might be difficult to make this month or it's gonna be difficult to make next month is actually sending the same kind of fear as if you were to encounter a bear in your backyard or a really creepy guy with a knife in the alley. It's triggering the same unconscious safety systems that are alerting all physiology mechanisms to go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. The message that I want to underline, megaphone, get up on a soapbox and preach the shit out of today is it's not your fault. Hello, my favorite money maven. Welcome back to Loving Money, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. This is the place to be if you want to change your relationship to money and in doing so, change your relationship to life. Now, as you know, if you've been listening for a little while, how we get there is to first name, de-shame, and reframe. And today I'm laughing because I I actually don't know why I'm laughing. I think that's one of those awkward laughs because this is such a serious subject. And I'm so lucky being a strategic life and business coach. I have such an intimate front seat look into women's lives. And one of the things, I mean, money dominates women's mental health on the best of days. The, the stats are, are staggering that like at least 40% of women report worrying about money once a day, <laughs> like once a day. And it's closer to 60%, I believe, of, of women who say they worry about money once a week. It's a huge factor. Now, those stats are pre-pandemic. They're also pre-current economic times and pre-rampant like rampant inflation rates. All that to say, women are stressed about money. Like, it's a real thing. And in the work that I do, as I said, I have this unbelievable privilege and honor. Like, really and truly, to me, it feels like an honor that I'm allowed to be invited into the lives of women and really see what they're struggling with, to be able to talk openly about it so that we can, again, name, de-shame, reframe, and come up with solutions or tools, strategies to help get them where they're going by first understanding like the overarching issue. And I'm, I'm kind of pre-framing all of this because that awkward laugh comes from the number the number or the volume, I should say, the volume of women I've spoken to in the last six months who are freaking the fuck out because they have a variable rate mortgage. So today, that's what we're naming, de-shaming, and reframing. And yes, you might think this is like the most boring thing to ever come out of my mouth, but today we're talking about mortgages and not best rates, not best practices, we're talking about the shame of mortgages that to date I have not yet heard anybody talking about. And I really think we have to have this conversation. Now, before we do that, I'm going to read a little review. Thank you so much for rating and subscribing and for sending your reviews. It's if you do any kind of content creation in your own life, there is such a high <laughs> thank you that you know that comes from people like responding positively to your 
to your content. I've had one one star review and it was so nasty and it, I just, it pissed me off so much. It was, it said the host needs more work. And I was like, thanks bro. This podcast clearly isn't for you. The rest of the podcast reviews are so glowing and they give me a feeling of internal glowing, which is why I love to share them with you. So this is from Corker Cub who says this wonderful human. Lisa's work, including this podcast, is a staple in my emotional health. She just gets what it is to be a perfectly imperfect human. Let me interject by saying that is the point because the human experience is fucking flawed. And we have all these stories that say like, oh, we have to be perfect. It ain't gonna happen, sweetheart. Like, let's just embrace the messy reality of being a flawed human because that's what we all are. And in, and in admitting or kind of owning our flaws, that's actually what makes us so uniquely perfect. But I digress, back to this stunning review. Uh, I've worked with Lise in each session, like two little BFFs, we would grab hands and jump in and touch bottom, quote unquote, briefly. The bottom is my childhood experiences that inform my life, my relationships, values, decisions, etc. Then we would pop back up together and I would take a deep breath, see sunnier skies, feel safe, heard, and connected. And yes, there were lots of giggles. Corker Cub, I have a feeling I know who you are from just from this handle because it doesn't have your real name, but I just from the way you're writing that, I have a feeling I know exactly who that is. And thank you so much. I love you so much. And I, I'm sharing that review because not only because it's a glowy feeling, but to really communicate to you that being a human is fucked up. <laughs> there's just, there's no other way of saying it. I can't say it lightly. It's fucked up, right? It's fucked up. And the more we approach our fuck uppery um, with levity, curiosity, joy, playfulness, and self-reflection, that allows us to demystify how fucked up this experience is. It allows us to really name our imperfections, name our flaws, name our struggles, and thereby de-shame all of them and help reframe where we're going forward. So I think that's a perfect segue into, again, what is probably the most boring sentence that's ever going to come up, come out of my mouth. Today, we're going to talk about mortgages. <laughs> so as I said, the impetus or the motivation behind this particular podcast is having this like super unique access into the intimate lives of what women are struggling with right now. And as the economy continues to shift post pandemic, and it kind of feels like the wild west of real estate, of interest rates, of recovering from over leveraging ourselves, like from taking on too much debt or, you know, certainly where I live in Canada, the government was pretty liberal with giving out cash influxes during the pandemic. And they are taxed at a crazy, crazy high interest rate. And now all of those small businesses, for example, that took on those loans just to stay afloat are now struggling with not having enough sales during the pandemic, but also not really having enough sales to pay that loan back at such an exorbitant rate. There's just, there's so much happening. That's kind of micro specifically in the context of Canada at a macro level. There's so much happening in the world that is just like, it just, 
it seems like it's going on so quickly and it's so complex and so layered that it's almost tough to keep up with. But there are so many macro factors at play that are affecting the, let's just say, crazy fucking economic times that we're living in. Now, if you are somebody who, like myself, is an elder millennial, this is probably the first time you've ever really, really been aware, I was going to say dealt with, but really been aware of any kind of financial crisis. And I don't think we're even calling it like financial capital C crisis. But right now, I think you're kind of a moron too. Let me just really tell you how I feel here. I think you're kind of a moron if you like haven't noticed that there's really shitty things happening around us economically and financially. I think we just really have to take a good hard look at not only like what is the reality versus what is the hype, but also if, you know, I was born in 81. So if you like me are kind of in your 40s, then maybe late 30s to late 40s, this is the first time you've had to adult through this kind of crisis before. And it's a lot to deal with. Other generations had, you know, things like wars and recessions and depressions to deal with. And this is kind of our first time that we're really navigating both being a homeowner and a taxpayer and being on the receiving end of some pretty wonky financial realities for so many people. Now, the reason I share that detail is because this is, again, the first time for so many of us that we've been in the position of having not a great experience in the real estate market. So if you are somebody who's been fortunate to invest in real estate from an earlier age, likely with the assistance of your parents, but maybe you're somebody who didn't have to go that route. If you know just a tiny bit about the financial world, a variable rate mortgage, if you look at like the stats and charts and figures and graphs, etc., variable rates tend to be a better choice over the long term. This is not financial advice. This is like a statement of observations. Okay. So please don't run to your financial advisor and be like, oh, this girl on a podcast told me. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying observationally, if you look at the charts and if you talk to a mortgage broker or financial advisor, they will tell you usually over time, a variable rate tends to be something that is a better option. However, when we have like a three to five year term on our mortgage, and that three to five year term happens to intersect with a global catastrophic event, the variable rate is not your best friend. It's not your best friend. So, so many people did quote unquote the right thing and they got a variable rate mortgage thinking they were making a smart or savvy financial decision even if it feels like a bit of a risk because of course with a variable rate you don't know what it's going to be because you know spoiler it's variable whereas somebody who's a little more financially conservative like myself I would so much rather pay for peace of mind. So I am somebody who will probably always have a fixed rate mortgage because I want to know what my monthly expense is for the next five years. Being an entrepreneur, there's so little financial security and consistency. You have to really create that for yourself. And it's such a long game learning curve to do so that for me, as I said, in any home I've ever owned, I've always chosen a fixed rate because I like to know exactly what that one cost is going to be. You can call me a control freak, but again, to me, it's like I want to invest in my peace of mind above all else, even if that means I'm going to pay a higher interest rate and more money over time. My anxiety requires that I make that investment so that I don't have to overthink it. Everybody else 
tends to go with a variable rate mortgage because again, typically that's the savvier financial thing to do. Yes, it feels a little more risky because you don't know exactly what the cost is going to be, but you tend to win in the long game. So now you have this huge cohort of folks who have a variable rate mortgage because they thought it was the right thing to do. And they hit that mortgage period of time that coincided with all of this financial shit. And now, especially if you're living in an urban center, your mortgage rates have just gone astronomically high, meaning that for so many people, certainly that I've spoken to, their mortgage payments have doubled, if not tripled in the last two years. That's fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. So now what's happening on top of all of that terror and all of that fear at the like the very real deal question, it's not even rhetorical anymore, but that question of like, how am I going to literally pay for this? Like if my income stays the same, but my expenses go up, how am I actually going to pay for this? A lot of people, as I said, are freaking the fuck out with good reason because it's scary. And if you break that down to nervous system safety, which I always want to do because we are talking about wealth EQ and how we feel about money, not just the IQ of what is a better strategy financially. If we're looking at this from a nervous system, making a mortgage payment is about so much more than making a mortgage payment. It's not just a bill. It is providing shelter, lodging, physiological safety, physical safety, comfort, freedom, peace for not only ourselves, but our partners, our families, a whole multitude of relationships in our lives. This response is going to be primal because that is like our base level for feeling safe and secure, having shelter, having the procurement of resources and physiological safety. So just the whisper threat that your mortgage payment might be difficult to make this month, or it's going to be difficult to make next month, is actually sending the same kind of fear as if you were to encounter a bear in your backyard or a really creepy guy with a knife in the alley. It's triggering the same unconscious safety systems that are alerting all physiology mechanisms to go into fight, flight, freeze, we're fine. The message that I want to underline, megaphone, get up on a soapbox and preach the shit out of today is it's not your fault. Let's just take a minute to channel our inner Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting talking to Matt Damon and really just be there. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. My big question, it gives me the shivers just thinking, like getting myself ready to ask this, is how were you supposed to know? You know, I, I've talked to so many women who are stressed to the gills about making this mortgage payment, and they feel so much shame and so much like, self-flagellating regret, doubt, all of that inner dialogue is sparking up like, what an idiot, I can't believe I did this, I fucked up, I should have known better, I made a huge mistake, whatever. 
it has to stop. Like, unless you have a macro degree or macroeconomics degree that you forgot about, how on earth were you supposed to foresee this happening? It, it wasn't possible. On a good day, we are all just doing the best that we can, period. And, you know, to quote the angelic Maya Angelou, <laughs> you do the best you can with what you have. And when you know better, you do better. Each of us is managing a lot, just like every single day between our emotional health, mental health, families, work, careers, aging parents, young kids, who's, who scorned you in the grocery store line or which grudge you're hanging on to. We're dealing with so much in our own past trauma, both capital T and lowercase t. We're doing the best we can. So then when you throw those very adulty things like owning a home and paying a mortgage and having a career and working for yourself, raising a family, it gets so overwhelming, especially when you're trying to do it all at the same time. And for some reason, our lives are designed that we really do have our like primo peak earning years that kind of overlap or are like juxtaposed against our primo child rearing years, especially for women. So it's a lot to manage. Then when you throw these wild west factors like we've all just been through in the last few years, it gets really complex and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to use, we're going to make the best possible decision we can with the tools and information that we have, of course. And sometimes, and this is one of those like shitty things about being a human, is that sometimes you can do your due diligence and, you know, be well-informed, well-researched, and make a good decision, and the decision still doesn't work out. That doesn't say anything about your identity, about your character, about your values as a human. If anything, it just makes you more human. If you are in that period right now where you are really, really afraid of the mortgage that you have and the rates that are that are coming up to kind of bite you in the ass and you're somebody who is experiencing heaps and heaps of shame and guilt let's just take a minute to name de-shame and reframe name it means you are literally just owning it like yes we did this yes i did this yes this is a decision that that i participated in two is de-shaming it which is what we're doing here right now together it's not your fault. You did the best you could with what you have. And we you weren't supposed to be able to see this coming. There was nothing you could really do about it, right? Technically, you did make the right decision at the wrong time. And that is so beyond your scope of control. How do we reframe this? You're not going to like what I have to say because it's not my typical like super uplifting and like rose colored glasses. It is very pragmatic. And I think the reframe here is being able to appreciate that we did the best that we could with what we had and moving forward, we know much more about what it means to have a three to six month emergency fund set aside or what it means to, you know, again, not financial advice. What does it look like to choose something like a fixed rate mortgage so that it does bring us that peace of mind versus the terror of when things go wrong? You know, what are the other lessons that you specifically can pull out of this? And maybe who can you share them with? You know, sometimes our greatest lessons 
while they they are for ourselves, they become this internalized wisdom that we get to share and teach with people around us. You know, maybe this is a lesson that you share with kids if you have them about having a, like a, a more financially literate home and having a more financially literate approach to real estate, shelter, renting versus owning, but really being able to sit with your kids and talk about your own experience moving forward and things you wish you had known or things you wish that you could have done differently if you were given the chance to do it over. You know, that might be the most valuable reframe here that not only is it not your fault, but now you have this, this like Girl Scout badge of earned wisdom that you get to pay forward to other people around you and further generations down the road. In the meantime, if you are struggling financially, this is a good time to have a conversation with a professional in your life and really like reach out to your bank, your financial advisor, maybe you start with your therapist, like any of those people can help figure out what's going on for you specifically more than I can in this podcast. If you are looking for like a one-on-one -on -one conversation about how you feel about money and how those feelings are affecting your life, your lifestyle, I'm your girl. If you're in that kind of mayday, mayday moment, talk to somebody who is a, a wealth IQ expert and can really help strategize how to get you out of a precarious situation and who can really help you analyze the numbers to go forward with that. But more than anything else, I hope what you can take away from this, this dialogue today is this is less of the wealth IQ and more, as I say, the wealth EQ, really understanding the conversations that we're having ourselves that are based in our emotional body. How do we feel? What are we making this mean? What is the story you're, we're telling ourselves? What's our inner dialogue saying? And is that story true? I really hope that you can take away from this either for you or maybe somebody who's in your world who's struggling with the, the shame and guilt of having a variable rate mortgage right now. Have this conversation that it's not your fault. It is what it is. You know, moving forward, how do we how do we do it differently? But in the meantime, can we please look through the lens of self-compassion and understand that we're not to blame for whatever it is we're going through right now? Thank you so much for being open and willing to have this conversation, which at first blush can sound very boring, but really is a, a foundational part of the human experience, right? Giving ourselves grace, letting ourselves off the hook simply by having the courage to step up, name it, de-shame it, and reframe it. If you are looking to change your relationship to money in as little time as a week, you can head to my website, lisewilcox.com, because right now my course is available there for you. It's called Loving Money, just like the podcast, and it's seven days to turn your self-sabotaging money beliefs into long-lasting success. And in that seven-day period, it's like maybe an hour, an hour and a half a day max of your time investment. We really look at your money story and how that story came to be. So, you know, we talk about internalized wisdom. What are the stories that your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, what did they internalize that they consciously or unconsciously handed down to you? And how is that affecting your financial reality right now? And even better, what do we do about that? If it's not working for you, how do we transform it to make it more your own and more aligned with your own values? 
Usually the course is priced around 200 bucks. And if you use the code loving money, it takes 20 bucks off at the cash for you, which is great. You can go buy yourself latte and a lunch and think about your relationship to money. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for being here. This is the place to be if you want to change your relationship to money and change your relationship to life. My goal is to help you love money as much as I do. And I appreciate you spending this time with me. Have an awesome day and I will see you next time.